Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, March 10th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Can't thank these unions enough for jumping on board. Couldn't do it without you. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, we need a song of the day. I got one for you. Thematically, it works, too. More foreshadowing. Holy cow. Uh, This is a song. Did you smoke pot before the show? You're doing a lot of foreshadowing here. Man, I smoked so much. Okay. No, he didn't. (laughs) Man, Dr. D and I were back in the alley. Oh, yeah. No, none of that ever happened. All right. Um, This one is from the 70s. Where else? Okay. Mm -mm -mm. On the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Gonna get five copies for my mother. All right. The Ben Jarowski Show starts now (laughs) stop laughing we gotta do our intro it is tuesday march 10th and live from the chicago sun Times chicago reader studio on racine avenue this is the ben jarofsky show today on the program our chicago reader colleague maya duke masova will join us and we have candidates on the show today. 9th District State Rep Candidate Lakisa Collins and 49th District State Senate Candidate Michael Crowner. And now your host, Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Billy Gate Tuesday. And here's why. Great weekend. Do you have a good weekend, D? Yeah, uh, yeah, I had a week. great weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a couple days ago, huh? Yes, okay. it was. Anyway, I just want to let everybody know, I just was telling Ramon of this, I saw her in the hallway. I saw The Way Back. That's the Ben Affleck movie. If you're into basketball, run, don't walk. In fact, if you're into recovering alcoholism, run, don't walk. Because it's really, I thought it was going to be like a basketball movie. And yes, basketball's in it, and I love basketball, but it's also about a recovering alcoholic. Uh, so anyway, great flick, saw that. Uh, this was also the weekend D that I had my brush with fame. Ooh, I was famous almost, sorta. All right, let me back up and tell you. So it started Saturday. Woke up bright and early. Ooh, what was that? I woke up bright and early. I uh, took out my beloved Brightwin, home delivered as always. Chicago Sun Times. And there I was on the front page of my beloved Brightwin. Your face? Yeah, no. <laughs> Let's not get carried away now, all right? There was a headline. There was a headline on the uh, on the Sun Times about uh, uh, Kim Fox using the word "bull beep." I'm not allowed to say "bull beep." Because, you know, we don't swear in this show, right, D? Well, actually, I don't know. I was sitting there thinking about it since it's going on. I say we we can allow it. I allow. Wow. Okay. I, I have carte blanche. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Bull, bull beep. But it's a barnyard appetite. Bull beep. Uh, you can probably figure it out. She said it on the show last week. We were talking about Smollett Gate. Yeah, I got a feeling we're going to be talking about this a lot. So just you could go ahead and say it. That's All right. Fine. Well, anyway, uh, so Kim Fox said that the, essentially our year, year or so obsession with Smollett Gate, all things Jussie Smollett was bullshit, which I completely agree with her. At the same time, I'm utterly obsessed with it and can't stop talking about it. So this is like a cry for self help, Kim. I, yes, I need help and assistance. 
on this? By the way, where's Andy Graham? I want to bring him back in the studio to talk more about it. Anyway, so yes, we are utterly obsessed with it. Uh, and it is bullshit. And it is, uh, uh, what is it, a made-up issue that Kim Fox's enemies have used to torpedo her campaign and undercut her efforts to bring real criminal justice reform. And I don't know, and I just want to point out once again that many of these same en- enemies of to Kim Fox love uh, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is supposed to st- uh, believe in criminal justice reform. That's why he let Rob Blagojevich out of prison. Just saying all this, folks. All right, this world is very bizarre and filled with contradictions. Maybe that Donald Trump doesn't believe in criminal justice reform as much as he says he does. Uh, but anyway, anytime, by the way, Donald John, wouldn't that be interesting if Donald John Trump at the name of criminal justice reform endorsed Kim Fox? Whoa, that's a little hard to believe. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, I do believe it's BS the way the um, uh, folks are trying to undercut Kim Fox by using, by turning Smollett Gate into this, this is like this horrific scandal when in fact it's an amusing and diverting, what, um, comedy of errors that features one of the more colorful characters, Justice Smollett, and Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle has turned it into a hilarious routine, which I urge everybody to see. Anyway, Kim Fox was on the show. She said it was bullshit. She said the word bullshit. When she was done saying it, she said, can I swear? And I go, it's a podcast. Everybody swears and on this podcast, except for me. Dennis won't let me swear. He won't, also won't let me talk about sports. So I can't say how happy I am, for instance, that Kobe White will be starting for my That's beloved. enough. Oh, sorry. Uh, but Kobe White will be starting tonight. Finally! Good God, Bulls. You got this fine, outstanding Ooh, Hang guard. tight, non-sports fans. <laughs> All right, anyway, I'll leave Kobe White talk to the side. So that was on the front page of the Sun-Times. I was so happy. I was I was in my pajamas running around the house uh, <laughs> singing cover of the Rolling Stone. Here we go. Thus, going back to the song I was singing before. All right. Okay? Cover of the Rolling Stone was a big hit in the early 70s, as Dennis can tell you, by Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, written by Chicago's own Shel Silverstein, the pride and joy of Albany Park. Yes, indeed, as Dennis knows, he graduated from Roosevelt High School, and he's one of the finest poet songwriters who ever came out of the city of Chicago. Anybody who dares to disagree with me, bring it here. We'll discuss it. I love Shel Silverstein, and I love that song. And it's about the rock group that makes the cover of the Rolling Stone. And that's that's how I felt. I was on the front page of my beloved bright one. I was so excited about it. I wrote a reader column about this. Yeah, I wrote a whole reader column about it. And I was up really late writing this reader column. It was like five in the morning on Monday. All right. Then I was pretending it's a typewriter. We get it. And I wrote it. And I said, ah, I wrote this column. I'm going to go to bed. Ah, and I wake up and do a little fine-tuning and send it on in. So I went back to bed about 6 in the morning, slept to oh, 10.30, I want to say it was, and all of a sudden, I hear my phone blowing up. That's the phone blowing up. And it was Dr. D, Dennis. He was, a, let me tell you something about Dennis, man. He's, he's from Alton, okay? He gets up at like 4 in the morning and chops wood. I'm a lumberjack, yes, I am. So that was Dennis, and then he's... Well, anyway, he got up so early chopping that wood, oh, yeah. he discovered that Bill Conway, who's running for state attorney against Kim Fox, had taken that interview, that little excerpt where Kim Fox had said bullshit, and made a whole commercial out of it. Well, you, I, I, I over the one day I overslept actually was yesterday, and uh, Pat Whalen. Pat Whalen, he texted me. It was like, holy crap, dude! Did you see this ad? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Pat Whalen from Buffalo, New York, is known to get up at three in the morning and go ice fishing because that's what that's they correct. do in Buffalo. I'm ice fishing. Here I am in the fishing. Anyway, everybody's up earlier than me. But one thing's for sure, you overslept, but it wasn't ten thirty. I was like, oh yeah, this is so nice. Well, the, the old boy put it in a commercial. So guess what? I hate when this happens, folks. I had to take that column, whoosh, rip it in half, whoosh, write a whole new one. There I am in my pajamas all over. I mean, when I get like that, don't bother me. Dennis calls me up. I go, don't bother me. Okay, sorry, man. My wife's bringing me coffee. Don't bother me. Uh, creativity here. Anyway, I finished the story. A couple thoughts. I know we'll be talking about this commercial that uh, young Bill Conway ran, but my biggest concern uh, my biggest concern is that somehow or other, people might, I don't know, 
leap to the conclusion, which is, I don't know why they would leap to the conclusion, but I can't help where the conclusions that people leap to, that I am like voting for Bill Conway because he used uh, a bit of our show in his commercial. Can I just say this, D? Negatory. No way. All right. Fact. I just want to urge everybody to turn to today's Tribune, Home Delivered, Chicago Tribune. Uh, brothers and sisters in the same union I'm in, right on Chicago Tribune. Uh, editorial employees. Great co- article by David Heidsman and Dan Hinkle on the front page of the Chicago Tribune. It says, billionaire dad bankrolls Cook State's attorney bid. Yeah, Bill Conway, the young man uh, who's running for state's attorney and aired that commercial like he was shocked. Shocked, I tell you, that she swore. I'm outraged. Daddy Conway is actually, uh, you probably know this, a gazillionaire. Uh, He's one of the co-founders of the Carlisle Group. And here we go, a defense contractor with stakes in the military industrial complex. Quote, while the defense contracts have gotten attention in the race, this is the Tribune story, another investment with broad implications has gone unnoticed. For a decade, Carlisle owned the for-profit nursing home chain HCR Manor Care as it racked up allegations that it neglected elderly patients, committed Medicare fraud, and ultimately drove the company into bankruptcy. One more time. Racked up allegations that it neglected elderly patients, committed Medicare fraud, and ultimately drove the company into bankruptcy bankruptcy hmm we should call it carlisle gate let me just tell you this right now folks bill conway is running a campaign attempting to undercut the criminal justice reforms positioned by kim fox and that campaign is financed by his daddy all right that commercial that took that little excerpt of Kim Fox swearing on this show and acted like it was outraged. They were outraged by it. Was financed by Carlisle uh, in part by the daddy. Let me ask you this. In your humble opinion, what's worse? Kim Fox saying the word bullshit or Carlisle owned for-profit nursing home racking up allegations that it neglected elderly patients, committed Medicare fraud, and ultimately drove the company into bankruptcy. People who live in glass houses should not throw stones. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Okay, Maya will be, oh, I know Maya's going to be all over. The, she's actually really into the coronavirus. She wants to talk about that today. Uh, and uh, Lakeisha Collins will be here. She's running for state rep in the west side of Chicago. Michael Croner running for state senator in the Burbs. He'll be in here. I think Murray Briel might be coming in, dropping in uh, one half of the Heartland Mamas. So it'll be like a Heartland Mama will be here. All right. It's always fun when the Heartland Mamas are in town. All right. Don't call it uh, the outer... Don't call it the boonies. Don't say the boonies. I get in trouble when I do that. I'm always in trouble. Anyway, uh, so plenty of political talk ahead. Before we do that, the young man from Alton, and it's not the boonies, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm Dennis. Yes, our show made the local headlines over the weekend. Eat your heart out, Sneed. We finally got a scoop. And, of course, in perfect Ben Jarofsky show fashion, it's for something ridiculous. Bullshit. Bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 That reverb. Oh, yeah. Sweet sound effects. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll play that entire ad in moments. But first, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> Governor, you're doing God's work this week, good sir. <laughs> Today, J.B. Pritzker was, of course, at the Thompson Center. He held a daily press briefing on the coronavirus. And on Monday, Pritzker announced that the state of Illinois tally of coronavirus patients had reached 11, with four new cases identified in Chicago. He then issued a disaster proclamation. The declaration, Illinois' version of a state emergency, was needed to open up access to additional federal funding that would help the state in this coronavirus response. Pritzker said, quote, we don't need it now, but we may need it in the future because we can see from the other states, from the other countries, what's coming. There's going to be an increase in cases. Yeah, I uh, I bumped into young Tom Shuba uh, in the hallway of the Sun-Times. Part of the reason why I was, <laughs> may have been a little late to the studio, but I got a little trouble with Dennis for that one. But um, so he, in, on, on top of uh, writing about uh, Reefer, he's uh, sort of covering the coronavirus outbreak. And so we were talking about this because... This is what I really wanted to say. Uh, Babs, our, uh, one of our smarter uh, listeners. Well, all my listeners are smart. I shouldn't say one. I, say, I have Babs's yet. question right here. Yeah. Oh, did I jump ahead of things here? Kind of did. Oh. <laughs> Show up a little earlier. We can go over uh, what we're talking about. I was talking you to know Tommy. What I mean? 
I was talking it like we ever, by the way, I could get here at 11 and we won't be talking about, oh, dang, Kobe, way to start tonight. <laughs> On to our Chicago Mayor, Lori Life, and I'm going to read the okay, question here. We recently received a comment and a question from our dear friend on Facebook, Bab, or as I call him, Babbers. Apologies <laughs> if you're not a fan of that nickname, but hey, I get called White Lightning literally every day, so deal with it. <laughs> Babbers posted on our Facebook page, uh, we're not talking about it, but Chicago could be the first city to fall. Four conventions in Chicago have been canceled due to concerns over the coronavirus. The big one this month, Houseware, uh, which has 60,000 attendees, will translate to $115 million in lost revenue to the hospitality industry, hotels, restaurants, and taxi. I would estimate that including the other three will push that number up to or beyond $150 million this spring alone with many more conventions on the calendar. Needless to say, Chicago is going to get clobbered. Ben, are you satisfied with Mayor Lightfoot's response? And as far as responses, I went online and looked. I found two articles, one from the Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman. On February 26th, the story reads, Mayor Lori Lightfoot said Wednesday she's, quote, very disappointed in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for fanning the flames of fear yeah. about the spread of uh, the coronavirus in the United States. And I also have an NBC5 Chicago story from March 6th that reads, earlier this week, just one day after NBC5 started asking questions about why the city had not communicated with employees about coronavirus precautions, Mayor Lori Lightfoot sent a citywide letter to every employee with guidelines on workplace safety and what to do if they felt ill. Yeah, I when I when I read uh, Bab's comment on my Facebook wall, I, I was I have to admit it was like the first time I thought about this as a local matter, you know, I think of this about as a uh, international issue or a federal issue and most disappointed with the response from our federal government and this lunatic we have as a president. Uh, but I do recall that first article. I'm glad you brought that up, D. That first article, we may have talked about it. It seemed like in that first article uh, that Lori Lightfoot was heading into Jaws country. And since everything in my life is related to something from the 70s, let me explain. In the movie Jaws, one of the great movies of the 70s, there's a shark that's attacking the good people. Uh, the uh, outside, I forget where it is, Martha's Vineyard, somewhere on the coast of uh, Massachusetts. And the, um, the town leaders don't want to publicize it because they're really concerned what impact it'll have on tourist trade. People won't come to the town. They won't use the beaches. They're so afraid of the shark. So it's like, let's cover it up so that we don't hurt business. It could really hurt business. And that was satire to a degree. But I think Lori was kind of swimming in the shark waters, swimming in the Jaws waters a little bit at the outset, more worried about what the impact would be on things like um, conventions, etc. Uh, that said, you know, that's why I was asking young Tommy about it in, in the hallway. What do you think? And everybody I ask, see what Maya says, generally goes right back to the feds or to the international situation as though, you know, because Lori Life, it's relatively down the, the food chain. So perhaps I, I've been having a hard time really uh, being angry and upset at Lori Lightfoot of the city of Chicago on this particular issue. Now, if you want to talk to me about a TIF deal, let's say that's a whole other thing. But on this particular issue, uh, more of my concern is how the government as a whole, the federal government as a whole, has dropped the ball on this. And this is like just just the way Donald Trump goes about business, where he just is always thinking about himself and his political skin uh, and, and just... You don't know whether to believe what he has to say. I think it's really hurt us on trying to get information out, keeping people from panicking at the same time, keeping people uh, to be responsible. So that's my general thought. I've, I'm going to be talking about this with Maya. I'll be talking about this throughout the day. I am not certain that I can blame a Lori Lightfoot uh, for anything that to do with coronavirus. I mean, they're canceling the, uh, the these conventions. It's costing Chicago money. It's hurting the economy. I don't know how we can blame Lori Lightfoot for that. All right. Anything else you want to add before we move on? No. All right. And finally, grown adults, cover your ears. Yes. <laughs> a strong, sophisticated black woman came on the Ben Jarofsky show, defended herself and gave her opinion on Thursday when speaking with Ben Jarofsky about her reelection campaign, which, by the way, Benny J may have been your best interview yet, buddy. Well, I, I like that. <laughs> 
Just yeah. saying. Pretty good. Go Scotty, the Scotty Duff one was fun, too. <laughs> if you've yet to hear it, go download it right now. Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox called Chicago's year-long national headline grabber Smollett Gate. Bullshit. Yes, listeners, I'm saying it too. (laughs) I've never heard Dennis swear before. Uh, Well, I did it. Uh, But it's not the case itself that she called out. If you listen to the interview, uh, what she was referring to was the fact that this case, Smollettgate, which she admitted she mishandled, where literally the one time a famous TV actor, for some reason, faked a hate (laughs) crime in our city at two in the morning, and no one actually hurt or killed, no shoplifting involved either. Yes, this stupid case has completely overshadowed her records of actual inner city work with everyday people, you know, non-TV actors, as a state's attorney. Which, by the way, if you couldn't tell, I agree with Ben. It's bullshit. (laughs) Well said, young man. You're on a roll. But hey, who cares about the meaning behind words? And yeah, she said what most of us are thinking. But that lady cursed. (laughs) And that's bad. I was horrified. And here we are four days later. The Sun-Times Free and Spielman wrote an article about it. We made the Saturday front page. And surprise, surprise, Kim Fox's interview on the Ben Jarofsky show is the subject of her opponent's latest attack ad. Hey, thanks for the plug, Bill Conway. Seriously, uh, it's the most anyone outside of myself, Ben Jarofsky, and our good friend Pat Whalen has done to promote our show. (laughs) We will take it. (laughs) So I have the ad here. Uh, Without further ado, if you haven't heard it yet, let's listen to the ad. (laughs) If you're listening on the live stream, please feel free to weigh in. Cover your ears. Yes. I I know we're all grown adults here, and we say these words, uh, you know, all the time. But here we go. The reputation of the city of Chicago wasn't marred by Jesse Smollett. This issue with Smollett is bullshit. A special prosecutor has now been assigned. Kim Fox finds herself in the full-blown investigation. of Smollett receives special treatment. This issue with Smollett is bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 Sweet effects. What is that? I'm not seeing the commercials, but that little clicking sound, someone typing some. Oh, is that like the reporter oh, typing? Nothing gets past you. <laughs> Bill of Bro, Conway. I, listen, it is bullshit. Now, I say this I, 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 as I acknowledge already in the show and I acknowledge in the column that's coming out. I'm uh, as addicted to the Smollett Gate scandal as anyone else. Talked about it a lot. We'll talk about it further. It's it's like a circus. Uh, by the way, we got to call Andy Grimm and bring him back in here and do another deep dive because that guy knows more about Smollett Gate than anyone. Uh, but that said, it's bullshit. It's a diversion. It's like entertainment. It's like, as I said in the column, will Ben Affleck get back together with Jennifer Garner? That's the kind of level it's on, all right? So let's not pretend there's some great issue there. Let's not pretend like it has to deal, you know, it's like really matters to any of us on a regular day it's just it's like me talking to miles about kobe white or tim anderson or any sports stuff it's diversion it's fluff and this pretense that somehow or other there's this great overriding overwhelming issue that faces us and affects our lives is bullshit so she was right it is bullshit so but oh boy billy conway it's like I could just imagine, hey, boss, you won't believe it. She said bullshit. And you know, D, you know. Oh, my God. She swore? Really? Oh, this is going to, like a woman swearing? That's the other thing. That's bullshit. The double standards. Donald Trump swears all the time. He swears in front of his crowds, drops the F-bomb. I don't see everybody crying. When's Billy Conway going to write a, do a commercial about that? When's the Carlisle Group going to finance a commercial about that? Don't forget, people, This that uh, that commercial was paid for with money that the Carlisle Group made selling bombs and guns and stuff. Why, when, why isn't Billy Conway outraged about that? You know that they put that out there, not because... Not because anybody would like think, oh, God, how could she underestimate the importance of Smolecki in my life? Because it just really matters. Every day I'm worrying about Smolecki. No. They're hoping that somebody will say, oh, my God, this is really inappropriate language. I can't vote for her, which, 
by the way, we talk about this all the time, the double standards that women face when they're candidates and contrast to men. We've been talking about this for a long time. Just like they have to hold back. Donald Trump, oh, it's okay if he swears. Rahm Emanuel, (laughs) that's old Rahm. He swears all the time, but that's what makes him cute. But Kim Fox says bullshit. We're outraged. We're going to do a whole commercial on it and repeat it over and over and over again. Like Billy Conway doesn't say that every day. It's just so funny. Like if, you know, if you didn't actually listen to the interview and you don't know much about the show, people think you're like the Howard Stern of Chicago <laughs> or something. Well, that's the other point. I, I, I dealt with this uh, in the, uh, the column I wrote. There's something about this humble little room. And I don't know what it is. People come in here and they stop dropping F-bombs. The champion, Adolfo Mandragon, oh, yeah. El Dragon. The over-under on him dropping the F-bomb is about one minute. Yep, one minute, there it goes. Mother this and mother that. But, you know, it's just like, I don't know, it's a podcast. You ever heard Joe Rogan? How many times they dropped the F-bomb on Joe Rogan? Number one podcast in America, D. 20 million and counting, huh? So, I mean, what do you expect? It's a podcast. Right. God damn. We didn't corner her. We didn't like needle her or anything. She was just comfortable in our humble little studio. Studio bot just down the hall from the bathroom. I think it's the connection to the bathroom that just makes people. Uh oh, he said bathroom. (laughs) Anyway, how about Scotty Duff? When he came on the show, by the way, thank you very much for the nice things you said about the interview with uh, uh, Kim Fox, but. I thought the Scotty Duff interview was pretty much fun, too. He's a comedian in town, uh, and he was on the show. <laughs> it was pretty insane. Anyway, he was dropping F-bombs left and right. I know, so, right? Hey, Bill Conway, do a commercial on that. Scott Duff. Oh, shout out to our good friend Frank. He weighed in on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. He has the correct name of the uh, island on Jaws. I think Amity is the name of the island on Jaws. You, you know what? You absolutely My phone's cor- freaking out. Okay, you're absolutely correct. I sit corrected, but that's a uh, fictitious. Amity Island yes. is the name of the town in Jaws. But there I believe go. it was based on either Martha's Vineyard. What's the other one? I forget the other one. Uh, Frank, find, what's the other island? Uh, I forget the name of it. It's off. Or just don't listen to the show, Frank. <laughs> you don't have to work for us every single time, you know? Uh, Frank, by the way, I'm going to cut a deal with you in April. Come back to the show. Uh, but I forget the name of the other island anyway. All right, let's Let's go to everyone on the live stream chat here. Uh, we got Kyle. Kyle weighed in. Kyle says, I'm enjoying that when Ben gets praised for doing a good interview, his speechless reaction is similar to Shimp Howard <laughs> seeing a beautiful woman. And it's wonderful. <laughs> Three Stooges reference. I love the Three Stooges. D, wherever the Three Stooges? Yes, I do. <laughs> Who's your favorite Stooge? Oh, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I like Shimp. <laughs> Larry doesn't get enough credit. I'm a Larry guy. <laughs> How about come on, Moe's? I love Mo. All right, <laughs> three Stooges. What was my Shemp? What is? How does Shemp do it, D? I mean, do you have a Shemp inter- uh, imitation? No, he wasn't on enough okay. <laughs> for me to get an impression. You know what I mean? <laughs> and plus, I would like our, uh, you know, um, modern day 21st century listeners to really keep on board with the program yeah. today. You know what I, I mean? got a feeling that not a lot of millennials know who the Three Stooges are. Uh, weigh in on the Bendrovsky Show live stream chat here, everyone. <laughs> uh, Kyle says, uh, yeah, Conway's ad is BS. Uh and placating to a dumb electorate who doesn't want to think for themselves. It's King Lear levels of tragedy. Yeah. Oh, wow, he's deep. Well, it, it is. No, but he would be correct if, uh, if Conway's daddy bought that election for him. You know, uh, don't forget Carlisle making all those guns and war armaments I, and running nursing homes. Check out, again, uh, David Heitzman, give him credit, and Dan Hinkle, their story in the front page of the Chicago Tribune. Uh, billionaire dad bankrolls Cook County State's attorney bid. So that ad was paid for with money from daddy. All right, everybody. So there you are. We'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. We'll let you know if Bill Conway puts out another uh, ad uh, with our show in it. Bullshit. It's bullshit. bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 This is how this ad actually sounds? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll That's play the ad? It for, we'll play well, it there's for There's you. more to there's it. More, <laughs> not much more, but there is more. We'll play it. Maya's and Stu. We're going to play it for you when we come get, get your thoughts on All it. All right, everybody. Don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, <laughs> live from the Chicago Sun-Times. I, I love that bit. That was from the summer when it was Gator Gate. Uh, Gator got your granny in the <laughs> oh, Humble God. Park Lagoon, and you play that hipster. Seen a whole lot of catfish, uh, no gators. Uh, <laughs> uh. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, <laughs> some turtles. Uh, no gators yet, though. Oh, God, my beloved hipsters. They're out there, okay? That's a big story this summer day. You forget, remember? Got a lot of Maya was all over that alligator story, weren't you, Maya? False. <laughs> I engaged not at all with this story, not mentally or in my public life. Uh, all right, what I was saying uh, at the break, uh, Maya did a riff. On, I don't even remember this riff on Kim Fox. Remember, this was like three weeks ago and the campaign against her and how you felt it was so unfair and that Smollett Gate was just a complete diversion. Uh, anyway, I don't know if you remember that riff. It, it, uh, it was about three. And you, the, a few F-bombs were flying from you which uh, on that day, which is not rare. And um, and then this uh, Kim Fox came into the studio on Great Thursday. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I uh, appreciate that. And she said bullshit, which, as you know, in this studio is not rare that somebody would swear. People are swearing all the time in this studio. And we laughed about it. You know, I said, it's a podcast. You're allowed to swear. People in your comments are, are, are still periodically, somebody will pop in and say, it's disrespectful to you that people swear. Yes. I know. Some people feel that way, but... You don't feel that way, I don't think. No, because... People swear all the time. I'm surrounded by it. All you swear all the time. Is that true? You, oh, you, yeah. you, you, <laughs> you listeners at home have no idea what goes on here when the mics are off and Ben is eating his sandwich and Dr. G is putting up the show online. No, he's eating his beeping sandwich. That's what he calls it. Uh, oh, this mother beep is really good. A lot of people swear in this show on the show. On, yeah. When the mics are on, yeah. but I follow Dennis Dennis's rule, and he learned his. You know, he's a, a radio guy. Don't swear when you're on the mic. So I really try not to swear when I'm on mm -hmm. the mic. And uh, but my guests, mm -hmm. come on, you guys are free to do what you want, you know. And they do. Mm -hmm. uh, Adolfo Mondragon, as I pointed out, I, like usually a minute has passed, and he's already dropped two uh, f bombs or three. But it's completely hypocritical, Maya, to be outraged by it because people swear all. The freaking time. Well, but that's not the... I don't think the point was that she swore on your show. Well, I think The reason why they're weaponizing this isn't because she swore. It's because she said it was bullshit. And yes, but I think... Yes, you're correct. We'll play the commercial. Do you want to play one more time? For, I don't think yeah, Maya's let me, heard let me, that Let me hear it. Let me hear it. The reputation of the city of Chicago wasn't marred by Jesse Smollett. This issue with Smollett is bullshit. A special prosecutor has now been assigned. Kim Fox finds herself in the full-blown investigation. Of Smollett receives special treatment. This issue with Smollett is bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 Okay, I don't like this music, which is like vaguely urban. This is like definitely like dog whistle music this is like a vaguely there's something vaguely edgy about it like you could hear it in the background of some like show on tv on like on like main kind of mainstream cable channels some like crappy drama about like crime in the city you know <laughs> or you could hear it in the background of like some some song that's trying to sound like it's in the urban genre, whatever you might want to call it. This this choice of music is really irritating. Number two, uh, so this is this is just my aesthetic analysis of this. Go ahead. <laughs> no, number two is uh, what like the whole thing sounds like it's like a teaser for some show. It sounds like a teaser for a reality show. I don't know. I don't know who who is that supposed to convince? 
who's gonna watch that and be like oh man didn't know what my position was on kim fox <laughs> until now but man this ad really you know now i'm really now i really yeah. know now i really know where my mind's at about this issue yeah i uh i don't know i could think too much about this uh, commercial. i want to have you know what maybe i should do a story one day about people who are convinced by attack ads like oh. people who don't have an opinion until they see an attack ad and then they form an opinion based mm -hmm. on an attack ad. Well, my guess is, and we should bring in a, a consultant who's done some kind of studies on this. My guess is that they're just hoping and mobilizes people who already dislike him, Fox, to come out to vote. Or mm. and Yeah, the urban music is really going to... Scare. <laughs> get, scare yeah, people. The, the, the vaguely urban beats of that are going to really be well, persuasive to the to the northwest side and county voters. It's the polls. There's that line in Bombshell, which I don't know if you saw. Uh, they were talking about the sort of the, the worldview of Fox TV uh, during their its glory run, in quotes, and that it should it should be um, a, a story should be done in such a way that upsets your grandfather and scares your grandmother. That's the I'm paraphrasing it, but mm -hmm. that's essentially the gist of it. And that's what that is all about. That commercial it really insults the intelligence of your grandparents. Yes. Oh, the Fox attitude toward the people who are out there watching it. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, I, uh, but I do think they're also trying to hope, you know, anybody who would be offended by her using the word bullshit and, um, th you know, that would, that's why they just close it with that reverb saying it over and over and again. You know, they, they I mean, is that the, you, do you really think that's the point that they're, they're, they're that this is, this is an ad that's trying to mobilize people who are going to be like mad that she said bullshit and that's what's going to get them to the polls that's it like i'm going to vote now this lady said bullshit on on a podcast hey i was on the fence but then yeah, yeah. Now she said bullshit on a podcast that may get some who knows i've had people say to me come up to me she shouldn't have said it she shouldn't have said it ben people have said this to me and i won't their names will not be revealed uh because it was a private conversation <laughs> they've said she shouldn't have said it i'm mm -hmm. like why the people that say this to me are people who say it all the time. Yeah. This is part of the contradiction, the hypocrisy, and the double standards. So I definitely think he wanted to call attention to it. Uh, whether it, it swings one vote one way or the other, which is your point, I have no idea. I don't know if any of these attack ads will swing one vote one way or the other. By the way, speaking of which, out of the blue, yesterday I received this. <laughs> Didn't mean it. I mean, What's this? Mike 2020. Mike Bloomberg came. Oh, you're still sending out mailers, I guess huh? So. You know, I got I got a really uh, I got really a, a, a disturbing piece of mail from Mike Bloomberg uh, at my current residence that was addressed to me at a former residence to me and my ex, like cursed piece of mail <laughs> addressing us as a household and an address that no longer exists this. laying out mike's vision for you know this is post post him dropping out post a lot of things <laughs> let me see that <laughs> here you go this may be the same one you got no no uh, no mine a, came in a in a sealed envelope it looked like a serious piece uh, of mail it yeah. wasn't even this yeah so anyway that arrived in the mail yesterday and uh, i was like mike mike it's over let it go already. Nope. This must have already been in the mail. Yeah, probably. Mike Bloomberg. Look, I, coronavirus isn't on here. See, they're really not up, you know, up to speed with yeah. the times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't. Oh, that's interesting. An attack ad about the coronavirus. Um, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. It, it's coming. I'm sure. Yeah. Joe Biden's people are working yeah, on they're it. They're working sure. on it right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> attack ad. Be scared. Um, hey, you guys had a an awesome event last week at uh, the Promontory in Hyde Park. Yes, it went really well. Are you? No, he's... is this is this some kind of? No, are you trying you guys to, to talk say, about make a statement about how it was irresponsible for us to have that public event? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not at all, not at all. I just wanted you guys to talk about an event. You know, it was a really good event. Delmarie well, Cobb was on fire. Yeah, Delmarie Cobb. Delmarie Cobb made a lot of new fans. 
There are a lot of people coming up to me after that talking about how badass Delmarie Cobb is. Uh, Delmarie Cobb, uh, yes, she is badass indeed. And uh, she told it like it is. And it was, I really am, am happy because there was Jeanette Taylor who ran for Alderwoman of the 20th Ward, and Delmarie Cobb was the chief strategist for uh, Nicole Johnson who ran against her. And mm-hmm. you wrote about that yeah. campaign. Your heart was into that race. Uh, it was. I wrote it, I wrote about it before Jeanette Taylor emerged as like. A major force in that campaign. There were a lot of characters in that in that uh, about thirteen. Race. I want to yeah, say yeah, yeah, yeah. And the people who were seemed to be front runners at the beginning, like back in December when I was reporting the story, were like a totally different set of people. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I like the fact that the, our our little show uh, brought on on the stage two of the most important voices in Chicago politics, in my opinion, and one of the most important organizers in Chicago politics, and political grassroots anything having to do with uh pushing our city in a progressive direction from a grassroots perspective yeah on that little show yeah. okay uh and uh people got to hear them and you know delmarie cobb has been a force in chicago politics going back to the 80s she was a uh, press secretary she mentioned this on the um Jesse Jackson's 1988 campaign, a very mm-hmm. important campaign, his presidential campaign in 1988. And I bring this campaign up all the time in conversations with people when we talk about the black vote, because Jesse Jackson's platform, I cannot say this enough, was Bernie before Bernie. And Jesse made this clear in a column he wrote for Today's Sun-Times, which you have, you took it over there. It's in the Today's Sun-Times explaining why he endorsed Bernie Sanders. But Jesse Jackson points out that he was for uh, Medicare for All in 1988. 1988 and I have so many people who come in the studio and tell me that black voters are conservative you, they're just not as left as you are Ben etc and so forth I'm like Jesse Jackson was doing this long before it was fashionable and the greatest politician uh, perhaps the black greatest black politician to come out of Chicago over the last hundred years Harold Washington was every bit as a lefty as I am so I'm just throwing that out there that there's a lot of myths that that are being spread right now. Right. There's a lot of reasons why uh, black voters are lining up behind Joe Biden. We could talk about that forever and ever. But I do not believe it's because instinctively black voters have this aversion to lefty politics because they've been supporting some lefty politicians for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Delmarie Cobb, she was right on. She did a great job. And yes, it was great to have her on the same stage with Jeanette Taylor. Um, and, and you Kofi know, Nabola. And, yeah, you can, Kofi. and you can listen to it. Uh, we made it available for download on uh, both uh, Chicago Sun-Times, Reader websites, wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Go check it out. Yeah, that is correct. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, Dennis did a masterful job. And uh, it's uh, on our podcast and folks are uh, listening to it all over again. So a great job. Uh, Dr. D, as always. All right, let's talk about the coronavirus. This was on your mind when I called you up this morning. Uh, tell folks what's on your mind. About yeah, this. what's on my mind is just uh, trying to wrap my mind around something that's impossible to fathom, which is like w- the scale of this outbreak that's clearly looming and going to happen just because hearing from about what's happening in Italy and Iran, it's 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 completely clear that this is not going to be a c- containable situation in this country. I mean, there are like thousands of American students who were like involved in study abroad programs in Italy who are now coming back to the United States that are like getting essentially those like medical evacuations, you know, people are being recalled and their programs are being taught, you know, there's like some kind of teleclasses or whatever. But that's like people who have been in at, at one of the centers of the outbreak. You could I mean, you could have this thing for weeks and not have any symptoms or not know anything about it. Uh the, the the numbers that we're getting from the government here seem like extremely low. And it's not because there's some kind of conspiracy. I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to like fear monger to an unrealistic degree. But like this country's health system is set up in such a way that like there's no easy way for public health systems statewide and municipally and nationally to communicate with one another. So, you know, people are traveling between here and California all the time, every day. There's, you know, people are traveling between the Pacific Northwest and here and everywhere else in the country. So um, it really 
based on what I'm hearing from people who are in places that have been much more drastically affected so far, this country is like not prepared and is like really underestimating how affected we're going to be by this and very, very soon. And, um, you know, I just, I just, I guess maybe this is just a general, I don't know if this is a, a result of typical American exceptionalist kind of thinking where people just think that everything's going to be fine and they're not going to be affected and it's not really going to affect their lives or whatever, or, um, the scale of this problem is so large and unprecedented that like people just don't have a way of thinking about this like people we in modern in like our contemporary times are not used to dealing with like the idea of a plague mm. we don't have any like re, you know recent like when during the spanish flu epidemic in 1918 1919 everybody knew someone who died like globally everyone knew someone who died so if this thing is anywhere on that scale, which it like all signs point to the fact that it, it, it probably will be w like, we're not even used to dealing with outbreaks of disease in which like, okay, now, like now there's like a cholera outbreak. Now there's a Ebola outbreak or whatever. And like this, like this is just, it's like, it just affects everybody. It affects how you live and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> there's like, you know, and people are, I mean, I was talking to somebody who works for the city the other day. I was asking, like, you know, do you, is there, like, a protocol for not coming in and, and, like, you know, conducting business just at City Hall or whatever? And it seems like maybe there's some kind of conversations going on about it. But at the end of the day, these are still people who come to work every day, just as, like, city workers or whatever, who are having, like, days and day like, every day is hours of meetings. Or if they're not the people that are working, you know, sort of behind the scenes that are in meetings all day, they're people who are working directly in the customer service capacity who are dealing with people all day long. Mm -hmm. um, they're all commuting, you know, they're, if they're city workers, they're living in the city, they're commuting, you know, if they're working downtown, they're probably commuting on the CTA, you know. So uh, it's not as if some, everybody's suddenly going to start driving and we can like seriously expect contamination to be limited because people are going to be staying in their own vehicles and not in a mass transit situation that's like not realistic even with the gas prices <laughs> going down now yep. which is probably going to motivate more people to drive if they can but in general i just feel like we're probably not hearing anywhere near a realistic estimate of how many people are infected because there's not that much testing happening and people can be infected for weeks without knowing it and having no symptoms and uh, when it's going to come time to like managing this on a large scale in terms of people actually being sick, I really doubt that w our public health systems are going to be able to really realistically handle it. Because like what I'm hearing from my friends in Italy is like doctors are being recalled from retirement and hospitals are being converted to like 90 percent ICU. Like they're just like triaging everything into like ICU and then like any other health issues are just going on the back burner. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really not so confident that Mike Pence handling this for the nation is is like b bodes well for our preparedness. Yeah. And and the, and again, the, there's not it's not um, I'm sure that like, you know, the authorities in like a city like Chicago are trying to stay abreast of this as much as they can. But at the end of the day, like Chicago's public health system, Cook County's public health system, the state of Illinois' health system, like all of that is already like super disjointed and bifurcated. And there's not a ton of communication and not an easy flow of resources between all those levels. Right. And then you factor in other states and like and, 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 and you know, something on the national level. There's just we don't have any unified health system here in which resources can be marshaled in a way that like is most efficient and uh you know saves the maximum number of people or provides care to them to the people who like need it most we just have nothing like that set up everything is like super super disjointed and bifurcated across the country so i don't know it makes me want to read more about how uh major kind of epidemics in this country have ha were f handled in this country yeah. you know like m maybe the spanish flu is probably the last one but like what happened in terms of the public health infrastructure um 
because honestly, while our level of medical, you know, science has obviously advanced, um, the way our government is structured isn't so different from 1918. Uh, yeah. And when I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking about how in general our leaders respond to things like this. And there's a, at the out, first of all, so much is not known. There's yeah. so many unknowns just about the impact of the illness, what it does to you and how serious it is. I have this conversation all the time, which bring like real, an expert in the, but I have this conversation all the time. Well, Ben, is it much worse than the flu? I like how people come to me. Like I'm supposed to, I'm probably the least equipped to talk about this. I barely passed any science course I ever took, but is it worse than the, uh, just an ordinary flu? But it depends on for whom. Yeah. That that's the thing. It's much worse than the ordinary flu for people who have compromised immune systems, who are older, who might be smokers, who I mean, who are pregnant. Like it's. And then there's some people who like eighty percent. I think just it is like the flu. It just it, it mild symptoms, uh, but you have to take it serious. The point I'm making is when I look at leaders that deal with something like this, Maya. At first. This is Trump and Lori Lightfoot responded this way. They don't want it to upset the apple cart, if you will. And this is why I was jokingly alluding it to like the people in the movie Jaws who were worried about word getting out about a shark attack because it would hurt the tourist trade. Oh, yeah. It's it's very similar. Like I remember early on, uh, you know, the concern Lori had that, come on, let's not get let's not exaggerate this. Uh, let's, let's. This is, but the same logic is exactly the reason why this has gotten so out of control in the first place. Because in Wuhan, the local like government officials were so worried about upsetting the higher up people and 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 creating problems for themselves and their and and with their political situation and their kind of like little fiefdom mm-hmm. that they just concealed this for an entire month. And like burned the bodies and and didn't and and like persecuted the people who were trying to get the word out about this. So this is the same exact logic. Uh, you know, maybe it's not driven at like higher up party officials, but rather Wall Street or you know what whoever it is that Lori's you know to tour- tourists. Um, but you know this the same the same logic is like is at the root of the problem. And when it comes to like Italy, you know, there's like what's one of the like the it's like the one of the top tourist destinations for Americans. There's like thousands and thousands of people that have traveled between Italy and the United States in the last, you know, month. Mm -hmm. Thousands of people. They're all over this country, like everywhere. So, um, yeah, I don't uh, I, I really. What can you say, I guess, other than try to. Because if people are panicking, I suppose it makes things worse. But um, I find it like, like my question is like, is the government prepared to be providing resources on a mass scale to the general population who can't like get disinfecting wipes or antibacterial gels or whatever, hand sanitizer at the supermarket anymore? It's not at all clear that government is uh, engaged in this, and this gets to a larger problem with the Trump administration uh, in general. Mm. Uh, and we've lost. I've, I'm speaking for myself here. I'm not putting this on you, but there's been. I get so involved in almost like the day-to-day fight to get Trump out of the office that I forget somehow the overriding impact his administration and his movement, if you will, have had on this country. And part of the impact is, is to turn everything into this mini, this drama involving Donald Trump. So from the get-go, he treated uh, the coronavirus outbreak as though it were part of a fake news narrative put out by his opponents. It was all about driving him from office as opposed to thinking like the leader of a country whose people are looking to him for guidance and for security. And even now, Maya, I don't, I'm in no way confident that there's like unified thought 
at the top branches of the government, that the smartest minds who know about the spread of diseases are working on this, that it's not just all politically driven. You know, it just seems so haphazard and so inconsistent and undercut by undercut by a tweet that he may deliver at any given moment and dividing the, like this state against that state and th- saying the news is fake, the fake news, continuing that chorus so that people aren't supposed to believe who you're supposed to believe. And I just think that it's this just makes it even more frightening because I can't think in my lifetime I'm, and I've lived under some pretty bad presidents, any president this bad at being like the leader of the country, if you follow what I'm saying. Well, yeah. And I think I, th- I just thought about this as, as you were talking. It's like how much of this of the politics of this is going to be like we're not going to make like let. <laughs> Like the people who are going to be most vulnerable to coronavirus are people like us living in big cities with mass transit, lots of contact between people, dense places with lots of contact between people. It's not like people living in, in, the, in the version of America where everybody is in the car by themselves to get from point A to point B, where people are overwhelmingly shopping on Amazon uh, because there's like not a ton of shopping options around them um, where like the, the, I sort of imagine this like landscape of, of, of Trump supporters in like suburban or uh, kind of rural America where like where just public public life is really doesn't exist to, in the way that it does in the city. Um, and like will will this administration care less about this issue and marshal fewer resources to it because this will be a big city problem and they don't care about this is not this is politically uninteresting to yeah. them to be like dealing with big city problems other than to marshal them as rhetoric to keep the voters in Michigan voting for them like <laughs> It's very real. And you're you're raising good points. And this is part of my frustration when Trump uses Chicago as his punching bag, a completely different level. It's guessing ties back to Kim Fox. Whenever there's shootings or murders or to it's to his advantage. Donald Trump just will tweet out or give a speech mocking Chicago, rolling his eyes at the Democratic Party. It's not like he is engaged in the the issues we're facing. It's yeah. like it's a camp. It's a prop. It's a, it's a it's a way of riling up his his base and demoralize demoralizing the other side and. It, like Donald Trump, when there's a shoot, it's one of my favorite. His base thinks that coronavirus isn't going to affect them. You know, and so, statistically speaking, maybe it'll do so to a lesser degree. I'm not even sure that's the case because I know that there's they've quarantined. I just saw this in the paper uh, that there was a uh, what was it the conf- the conference of conservative action conference uh, that uh, one of the the leaders of the group was shaking hands and so Trump is like one person away from someone who had it. So I don't think like in an outbreak like this knows political boundary. I understand no, what doesn't. you're saying, right? But it's the- just but it knows but it knows uh, it, it an outbreak like this like it the the density of people uh, in a place. Like it matters. Yeah. Like the, the 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 contagion has been spreading through like nodes of like c- p- cities where there's a lot of traffic, where there's a lot of human contact. Um, you know, like this this thing will affect Chicago much more than Peoria. Yeah, on a micro know? level. I know what you're saying. <laughs> so, but it will affect Peoria. It will affect yeah. Peoria. And, uh, and you know, where will Donald Trump show up and throw paper towels at the crowd? Like, where's that going to be? There, that's that's another great example. The way Donald Trump trivialized the impact of the hurricane in Puerto Rico, mocked the people of Puerto Rico, used it as a talking point in his commercials to fire up people just to laugh at the at the calamity in Puerto Rico because he knew they're not going to vote for me anyway. And, uh, you know, so I don't need their votes. Who cares about them? Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm talking about in terms of the lack of leadership uh, from the get go with this man. And it just, by the way. But his- I really think that I really think there's like a that the, the, the failure of leadership on this issue is happening like at every level of government. Like but because people have they can't I don't think there's a clear idea of what to do. Yeah. And in the meantime, like, you know, if like. 
city workers are continuing to commute every day to these massive gather, you know, into these nexuses of people that are all in one place together in the most crowded part of the city. And they're coming in and out of this space. You know, everybody who works downtown is coming in and out of this space. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I, I, it's like, it's impossible not to talk about, but there's nothing to say about it. That's in any way a solution or, you know, just like wash your hands and don't touch your face and like, don't touch people. Massive. No, it's funny because last night at bowling, we always do the high fives and everything after a strike. And man, people are washing their hands like crazy last night. Yeah. Anyway, all right. My uh, Lakeisha Collins is in the studio. My next guest is in the studio. We're going to bring her on. Uh, thanks so much for dropping in, uh, Maya. And uh, yes, everybody, check out uh, that I Dennis put it posted it yesterday. It's a Tuesday show. It's it's really good in my humble opinion. Uh, Tuesday show at the Promontory. We were, yeah. we were talking about people should check it out. And there's a video version of it on the uh, first Tuesdays with Maya and Ben Facebook page and the Reader Facebook page. Oh my God, we are so hip. Putting out <laughs> so audio, we've got it video. Everywhere. Look at us. Yeah. Is there anything else you got going on, Maya? You want people to know about? You got the listeners here. I mean, please just wash your hands and don't touch your face and don't touch go. other people. <laughs> wow. And, okay. and if you're coughing, please just cover 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 yourself in some way. Self-isolate. <laughs> All right. Health tips from Maya. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, we have Akisha Collins coming on. We'll be right back after this. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. 